Stress? What stress? That's a great lead in. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Ready? Yep. Listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I'm Bree. And I'm Rachel. It is a wild card episode today, mm. which means mm, what are we going to throw at you today? <laughs> <laughs> it is a, a bit of a follow up on an episode that we did, I believe, over the summer. Was that last summer? Yeah, it was. Year, in the year that didn't exist. Yeah, was, I think so. I've okay. blocked it out, but I think yeah. it was a good episode. <laughs> it did still happen, I think. It, it, I think it did. Uh, we did an episode of uh, stewardship of the physical body, and it was a big hit. A lot of body positivity stuff. Mm. Great episode. We can I link to that. to go notes. back and re-listen to that as we're coming into bathing suit season again. Yep. It will be always perennially <laughs> important. A year ago, because, <laughs> yeah, it was right at the beginning of summer. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. So anyway, we did that episode on uh, stewardship of the body. And so today we are doing stewardship of your mind and your emotions because it's 2021 and nobody really knows what's happening anymore. So Brie, this is your episode. Take it away. Yeah. So May is mental health month. Is that correct, Sarah? Oh, also that. That was the other thing I was going to say. <laughs> yes, May is mental health month. That's the, that's the other reason we're doing this. Yes. So... I thought that, you know, apropos, 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 apropos of May being mental health month and as sort of a follow up, annual follow up to the stewardship of the physical body episode. This year, I want to talk about how we are faithful stewards of our minds and our emotions. I'm sure you'll find that a lot of the content that we talk about today is going to sort of align with what we talked about last year because I personally feel as though all of the different spokes of health on the wheel are related, like they all impact one another. So some of the things that we're going to talk about today might sound like a repeat, but you know what? It's a good reminder to have, as Rachel said. So before we really dive into it, though, I do want to give a couple of disclaimers. The first of which is none of us, unless I don't know of a social work degree or something that I don't know about from any of you, we are not mental health professionals on this show here. A lot of what I'm going to be talking about personally today is based on my own experiences as someone who was diagnosed with manic depression in 2007 And I've been managing those symptoms ever since at varying degrees of goodness and badness, but I'm in a good spot now. I do know that good German Lutherans don't like to talk about feelings. Um, However, (laughs) I do do want to stress, I want to emphasize the fact that mental illness, there are physical elements of mental illness. Mm -hmm. Um, even if, you know, you can't see it, you know, it's not like 
I have a broken arm and you know that I have a broken arm, but it's, it's one of those like hidden illnesses with hidden symptoms. I mean, you can get a bladder infection, and that is true. That that's also there's a lot of our body that it has to be really wrong for you to see the problem, right? <laughs> Nevertheless, in any case, point being, <laughs> mental illness is the indication of a broken body, like any injury or physical illness. So, in other words, mental illness is very real. And Mm -hmm. it can have serious consequences if professional counsel is not sought. But the good news is the symptoms are also very possible to manage. So, and you got living proof right here in front of this microphone. I'm just going to say that. (laughs) I'm so thankful to you, Brie, for for bringing this topic. Because I think in the church, we tend to think, you're right, that feelings are, you know... Uh, something to keep to yourself. They're private, they're personal. And that sick feelings, well, that's not a real sickness. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, wellness is not limited to the body. That mm-hmm. wellness is something that we experience body, mind, soul, spirit, heart, all of these things are bound up together. And when your spirit is sick, your body is going to be sick too. When your body is sick, often your spirits get sick. One of the lowest points in my life, mental health-wise, was when I was recovering from a broken ankle over about three months. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. about eight weeks in, I was about as discouraged as I've ever been. So Mm -hmm. there is so much of an interplay. And I I think scientists are only now beginning to acknowledge that wellness is about more than just the cells in your body. It's it's the the spirit that infuses those cells. Yes. Um, the the mind body connection is so everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So I am just gonna talk about methods, ways, ideas for being a good steward of your mental and emotional health guys. Feel free to jump in. I am only one of probably millions of people, if not more, that struggle with some degree of mental illness, whether it is manic depression or anxiety or really just any sort of mental illness to some degree. So I am, you know, having mental, mental, mental illness is not monolithic. It can Mm -hmm. present itself in different ways. And as such, the different ways that you cope with those issues can be different for everybody too. So this is really just my take. Feel free to jump in if you disagree or I forget something that is important. (laughs) I think first and foremost, as with anything, to be a good steward of your mental health is to be living upon the foundation of, I don't want to say a good spiritual life because that doesn't sound right to me, but By doing things that strengthen your faith. So if you talk about like prayer, like having a strong prayer life and doing routine devotions and like worshiping on a weekly basis, taking the sacrament, stuff like that. I think when you live your life that is, that is, takes place upon that foundation, that is definitely one of the best ways I believe to steward your mental health. Prayer is huge. And, you know, it's important for others to pray 
like, don't be afraid to ask others to pray for you too. Like the power of prayer is it's palpable. And so I think to have, to sort of be entrenched in this, this life of faith and doing those kinds of activities is something that will benefit you in the long run for a variety of reasons. But one such way is, is being a good steward of your mind and your emotions. Mm -hmm. We've talked about uh, memorizing scripture, memorizing hymnals, hymnals, sorry, hymns. (laughs) Sarah! (laughs) I know one of them. Uh, memorizing, (laughs) Memorizing those things. And I mean, it's not just for catechism work in grade school for confirmation. Like if you have these things memorized and you have parts of the liturgy uh, the daily offices memorized when you have those really rough moments in life and hard days, which we've all had hard days lately. Mm-hmm. You have those things already in your head that you can draw up, um, mm-hmm. and you can you can sing hymns while you know you're you're struggling. But you pull something up, you can sing it from memory. You don't have to go anywhere or pull a book off of a shelf. It's right there for mm-hmm. you, and that is that has been a big thing for me in the last year at least um being able to have this just like repository of of things to pull from during you can times. burst into song while you're washing the dishes don't even have to dry your hands off when i was doing it <laughs> well, and i think brie you mentioned worship you know i really can't overstate the role of weekly liturgy of the divine service mm-hmm. in maintaining your spiritual health and well-being. I'm currently reading a book that I would I haven't finished it yet, so I cannot recommend it completely wholeheartedly, but I'm loving it so far. James K. A. Smith's You Are What You Love, The Spiritual Power of Habit, mm-hmm. where he talks about the problem of this disconnect between what we want and what we think we want. Mm-hmm. I think I want to eat healthy. But what I actually want is that donut on the counter. And there's this there's this jarring disconnect there. And he, in this book, points out the power of the traditional liturgy, whether you're doing it with an organ or drums, you know, but this this gift of liturgy that has been handed down to us that trains our souls to want the right things so that our wants mm. and our values are more closely aligned. And we don't have that painful tension that is going to create problems in our in our spiritual and in our emotional life between the person we think we ought to be and the person we actually are. <laughs> the things that I don't want to do, I do, and the things that right. I hate. Yes. <laughs> we need a new set of wants and you know, the worship life of the church over time wears these deep ruts in our soul and sort yeah. of gets us more pointed in the in the right direction. Not that we mm-hmm. ever actually arrive on this on this terra firma, but um <laughs> it is a very emotionally healthy practice, even if it doesn't feel like it. What you you might be sitting in church going, I don't even know why I came today. Mm. And yet you're getting the benefit of it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because God gives his gifts, whether or not we feel mm-hmm. like we deserve them or feel good about anything. Mm-hmm. We'll gifts. feel anything at all. Feel feel anything anything. You could be completely numb. Yeah, you can be sitting okay, there in that back pew in your sweatpants with your unwashed hair and you're still going to be getting benefit from it's this. It's true, though. Although showering is also great. 
as I tell my children regularly. (laughs) (laughs) A great segue into our next point about (laughs) (laughs) self-care. And again, to reiterate, and I think this is one of the points that I really tried to drive home last year. There are critics out there of of what is termed as self-care. I think a lot (laughs) of people, maybe not a lot of people, but I think there are some misconceptions about what self-care actually is. It's not just laying around on the couch all day watching Netflix in your PJs. Um, It's not indulging in comfort food. It's not going on a shopping spree or two or 17, which actually, I mean, compulsive shopping is actually a symptom of mania. So Hmm. um, you really really have to be careful with that. Self-care is getting a healthy amount of sleep. It's practicing good hygiene it's it's washing your hair and it's brushing your teeth and you know all the all the stuff we learned in you know grade school health class ways to take care of your body so it's also also things like getting a healthy amount of activity in it's it's eating foods that have optimal nutrition for your body and i'm not going to necessarily quote studies here but even in my own experience when i know that i'm exercising on a routine basis and I'm making nutritious food choices, I just feel better about myself. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's just what it is. So we talk about a worshipful life. We talk about practicing self-care to taking care of yourself. Yeah. But the, the third option for me is ultimately seeking professional help. Right. And that can take several forms It can be seeing a counselor. It can be participating in a support group. It could be taking medicine. And here's just my quick hot take on this, and I hope to not dwell on it for very long. (laughs) I've given the ladies my my fair warning of this is my soapbox today. (laughs) Unless your pastor has a background in psychotherapy or social work or you know, anything related to that, that the psychology field, the psychiatry field, the mental health field, he would not be the kind of professional that I would seek help from personally. The pastor is really there. I mean, he, he provides you with the spiritual care. That's what he's there for. But when it comes to mental health matters, I would seek a true professional in that field. And frankly, especially where medication is involved, I would even, I would go so far as to see a psychiatrist. I know Mm -hmm. some people will take uh, like anti-anxiety medication or just any, any, any run of the mill, I think psychiatric drug. Sometimes people manage that through their primary care physician. And that's, that's fine. That's okay. That's an option. But a primary care doctor is not necessarily going to have a wide scope of what treatments are available out there for mental health. And so, you know, I go, I see a psychiatrist and I know that they're going to sort of be on the cutting edge of, of what's out there. Um, And that's not really the focus of a, like a primary care guy. So. Mm -hmm. um, Well, and counselors as well, there's a difference between counselors and psychiatrists too, mm -hmm. with levels Mm -hmm. of education and and ability to even prescribe medication not all of them can do that and i'm i'm gonna throw a, a shout out 
to a couple of episodes of the coffee hour that I'll make sure we get links in the show notes. Sarah's We've other talked- show. Uh, <laughs> I know. Like the other woman in her life. <laughs> um, uh, we have at least one or two episodes about when to seek when to seek help, first of all, and who you should talk to, whether you should seek a pastoral counseling, psychiatrist help, counseling help, what the difference is between all of that. Mm-hmm. It's a full half hour program on only that with, um, if I'm remembering right, it's Dr. Rick Mars from the seminary who is yep. amazing and Peter Ill, uh, Pastor Peter Ill. So a lot of really good insights into that. We'll link that in the show notes. So I won't go into all of that here, but it's I- it's a wealth of knowledge. I do want to push back just a little bit, Brie. You said, if you are experiencing mental illness, don't go see your pastor. I'm going to say, go see your pastor. Just don't expect sure. from him what he can't give. I mean, like if I got a cancer diagnosis, mm-hmm. I would go see my pastor and say, right. pastor, mm-hmm. I need spiritual care. I need prayer. I need you know, sure. pastoral counseling in this situation. But I'm also going to go see my oncologist. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know, mental illness, go see your pastor. But also go see your psychologist, your psychiatrist, your counselor, whoever you need to see. But it may be, you know, when I've been at my lowest is when I am the least capable of making appointments. I I can't even haul myself to the dentist. The idea of putting myself out there and (laughs) saying, I'm going to go find a new professional in a new field and try to, it can be very daunting. And so if you are experiencing this kind of feeling and you're just, you feel weird about going seeing a mental health professional. Maybe start with your pastor and chances Mm -hmm. are he'll be able to point you in some directions or start with your doctor. You know, just start small because it's very daunting, especially when you're in a low valley to think about. For me, (laughs) for me, when I was going through 2020, I was, even when I perhaps should have, I was unable to connect with a mental health professional, but I did a baby step. I started doing weekly exercise session via Zoom with my sister and just having somebody to talk to and Mm -hmm. work out, you know, some small step helped me through a very bad stage. Mm. I absolutely respect mental health professionals. My brother is a counselor and a very good one. But if you if that's too much for you to handle, do something. Yeah. Even whatever whatever is within your comfort zone, whatever is accessible to you. Right. Do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I think that the pastor does play a role in that. But I, and I'm <laughs> Sarah, I'm glad you mentioned Rick Mars cuz this tipped me off to something. So we had to meet this year with some of the seminary profs uh, for like vicarage meetings. And one Mm -hmm. of the things that Dr. Mars made abundantly clear was, yes, you're going to be dealing with people who need help, whether it's psychiatric or therapy, any kind of therapy. And he said, don't try to fix it on your own. Like if you Mm -hmm. can refer it out. So I guess my, my point of that is yes, totally speak to your pastor but if it requires additional assistance or additional attention, I would not feel surprised or like offended if he says, I'm going to give you the card of somebody who I know that can better help you. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think we haven't said this yet, and I just want to throw this out there too. For people who haven't heard anybody else say this yet, just because you're struggling with a mental illness does not mean you don't have enough faith. Praying will help, yes. 
Um, and God may work a miracle. And yes, it is within his it's his, his 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 job to do if he wants to do it. But Correct. it may be that he gives you strength to carry on for another day. You know, the mental <laughs> mental illness is like any other illness in that yes, pray, but also go to your doctor. Right. Right. Yes. Had to put that out there in case. No, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you said that because as we're thinking about methods and, and mechanisms for being a good steward, for me, for, for best results, I would do at least two of these things. So, so faith life, focusing on things that, that, that improve that area of your life, self-care and seeking professional help. So like for me, I ain't here to toot my own horn because like all these things and responsibilities are gigantic pains sometimes. But like <laughs> as much as I try to go to church and, and take care of myself and and all of that, like I have a counselor and a psychiatrist. I have one dude who manages my meds and I have a woman that Matt and I see on a routine basis. We just talk about stuff. So like it's I think one of those things where if you seek multiple avenues all of those mechanisms are going to sort of build on each other and multiply and you're going to you're going to benefit i think more the more that the what am i trying to say the more <laughs> that you do sort of in this list the better off you're probably going to be is my two cents don't try to again like what sarah said don't try to pray your your depression away like it could happen but like that if you're feeling down and sad and, and all of that, like, yes, pray about it, but don't let that be the only thing. Like God gives us doctors and medical advancements and, and people who can help us with these things and live better lives. But I see far too many people sometimes just, you know, say that Jesus is going to take care of it because he's the great physician. And it's like, well, yes, he is the great physician, but. Or it, it creates this downward spiral of. Mm -hmm. I'm anxious or depressed or I have this mental illness and I'm praying about it and it won't go away. What's wrong with me? Right. Mm -hmm. Why why don't I have enough faith? And that is that is the opposite of yes. how of how it works. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Pray sure. that God will give you the strength to do one thing today that will move you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. You know, um, pray that he'll take it away, but pray that he'll give you what you need to do that one right thing. Yeah, I mean, we should always be mindful that grace abounds. And this yes. kind of goes back, Rachel, to what you were saying in terms of when you're feeling the lowest of the low, you're not going to be motivated to hit these these points. Like for me, sometimes it's a struggle to just get out of bed every morning, much mm -hmm. less wash my hair and brush my teeth. Like, like that's, that's a triumph. Cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again... I think that is just another symptom of our broken, sinful world, right? And so mm -hmm. we know that Jesus took all that and he nailed it to the cross. Mm -hmm. um, and so the last thing that we should be doing, and, I, and I'm preaching, I should be taking my own advice here, is <laughs> like the, the, the worst thing that you could do is beat yourself up because you've got dirty dishes piling up in the sink. You've got unwashed hair for the last week and a half. You know, you have to throw away a bunch, 
this is mine. You have to throw away a bunch of rotten produce because you thought you were going to use it that week. (laughs) That is not just you. Like there is grace in this. There is Mm -hmm. grace in this. And you have to be mindful of that. I think you've described most of our lives during the pandemic. Okay, good. I don't so long then. The dirty dishes, yeah. Sometimes I've found that with these things, and these are small ones, but I've I find myself getting really harsh and hard on myself, and then I sort of have a have a talking to with myself, and <laughs> this think about what how you would be reacting and responding if a friend of yours. Mm you that this was the situation that they had experienced and mm-hmm. would you be like that is just that is a true failure boy you <laughs> really did mess it up there <laughs> no you would not be saying that you would be encouraging them and pointing yeah. out that you know this is a hard time and you know that's okay and so anyway we just we are often so Many, I don't know if men are as hard on themselves as women. Maybe they are. I think they are. They They just are. They are. They don't talk about it as much. But anyway, the internal monologue Mm. is really vicious sometimes. Mm -hmm. And like reframing that to how you would speak to your friend or your sister if they were telling you about this is really (laughs) yeah nicer (laughs) be at least as courteous to yourself as you would be to you know your next door neighbor that's a that's a that's a corollary of love your neighbor as yourself Mm -hmm. um although i'm i'm sort of challenged by your words erin because when i uh as the mother of teenagers sometimes my role as their mother is to say you've been in bed too long you stink not in a spiritual (laughs) sense but in a physical sense, now go wash your hair. <laughs> You'll thank me for this later. And sometimes that's my role is to be that not quite prophetic voice <laughs> in but someone's I, I life. Think Aaron's, I think Aaron's point is maybe don't do that to yourself. <laughs> Get out of bed, Rachel. You stink. Like, that's no, that's not what we want here for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. But yeah. It's, it's important, all, like, as we're talking about this in, you know, the I'm, inner monologue, I love that. I'm going to steal that forever now. It's also important, I think, to surround yourself with family and friends who, quote unquote, get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up familiar with mental illness just because of my family life. And I think that has allowed me to have a greater, I don't know if it's tolerance or like empathy quotient, or I I don't know what it is. I feel like I am far more familiar. I was far more familiar with what mental illness was in second grade than my peers. Like that's- That I was. Yeah, that was just (laughs) the childhood that I lived. And, you know, I, I know people who, I know people who get it, like myself, And I know people who they don't get it. They don't, they maybe still think that mental illness is like, and it's all in your head thing or it's not real or, you know, suck it up, buttercup, get over it. Life's rough, get a helmet sort of posturing. And yeah, you're going to have people in your life that are like that, whether it's a coworker or a family member or a friend, you're going to have people that they just don't, 
they don't get it. Maybe they've not experienced it for themselves. So it's important, I think, to surround yourself with people who understand the struggle of what it is to have to to have a meant to be diagnosed with a mental illness. And sometimes in the interest of helping, they might say or do things that are actually harmful, right? Mm-hmm. So I I think in those instances where I'm hitting my I'm hitting my low or I feel a manic episode coming on. Matt is sort of my husband Matt is is that sort of person, right? He's the one who look at like observe my behaviors and be like, you know what? Take a breath, do some coping because I'm I I feel like you've got some mania coming on. So it's it's good, I think, to even have that deep, intimate level of accountability with mm-hmm. at least one other person. So have have trusted confidants, have like put people in your life who who can empathize and who can say or do things that are actually helpful and maybe try to have some understanding for the people who can't or don't have people in your life that you're willing to hear the truth from even when it hurts because that's often what it takes is someone not only that you can tell anything to and know that they will not judge you or stop loving you but that whatever they tell you you can hear Mm-hmm. And it sounds like Matt is that for you, and that's awesome. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Every day, man. Every day. <laughs> My husband is like that as well. Um, I mean, we've we've kind of worked to get to that point, and it's taken me knowing myself and understanding my own triggers for things that will set me into a a, a bad place, and also knowing what will help. I tell him, you know, if I'm in a terrible mood either feed me because I might just be angry (laughs) Uh, or you know get literally like pick me up off the couch and make me go outside and take a bike ride or or go for a walk or something because I know that that is one thing reliably I will never be in a bad mood after I've been outside regardless of what I'm going through that day and sometimes I can't do that on my own like I need I need someone to like almost physically drag me because I just, I just can't, Sure, sure. <laughs> but I know that about myself and, and having someone that knows that about you and you're able to, you know, voice those things about, about yourself to somebody else and be very vulnerable yep. to somebody else yep. uh, and, and be able to trust that they're actually going to be there for you as well. The three of you have been part of my, my little group of confidants Hello. since we started this podcast, but you know, I have other friends who also deal with anxiety and deal with uh, the, these just mental struggles and we're able to we're on Facebook Messenger almost constantly and mm. we're just like hey um I'm having a bad day can you pray for me for yep. these specifically and then like we'll check in on each other because we mutually understand that this yep. is just a struggle and we all just kind of get it yep I yep. love how how Christians when they say I'm struggling with this will you pray for me also embedded in that is that will you listen to me speak honestly about this for a little while while I explain my prayer request in great detail and <laughs> yep. then you can pray about it that's that's great but then also I will have been honest about it with one living human being <laughs> yep love it it doesn't happen very much anymore but there has been more than one occasion where I'll be interacting with my husband and I'll say or do something and he'll he'll go you sure you you take your meds today? Like, are, you, are you sure you did that? Have you have you skipped? Like, 
That's you need that. You you know, you need that. Of course it's scary when I'm like, yeah, what's <laughs> going on, man? Why? Why do you ask? <laughs> so but yep, so those are my those are my little tips and tricks, I think, for being a good stewardship of your your mind and your emotions. I'm gonna make this final plug. It's my I implore you all. Cause I just am a firm believer in the power of therapy is Mm -hmm. I think counseling is for everybody. You don't necessarily have to have a diagnosable mental illness. I don't think you necessarily have to have a broken marriage or a broken family. You don't necessarily had to have gone through a significant trauma in your life. My husband and I just full disclosure, we see someone on a monthly basis and it's not a surprise to me that our marriage is has significantly improved since then. However, finding the right counselor for you and your family is not always the easiest thing to do. So if you hear this episode and you're like, you know what? I've been thinking about this. Maybe I should look into it. Here is what my admonitions are to you. Definitely look into if if you're employed and have benefits through your employer, you can definitely look into whether or not they have an EAP or an, what's an employee assistance program. I know that we at the International Center have access to that where you can have six sessions covered for you in the year. So that's built in. Do you, does your company offer behavioral health insurance? Will they cover psychiatric appointments? Or is it a specialist and you have to pay an additional copay? Can you find somebody who accepts the insurance, a, a therapist that will accept the insurance that you have? Can you cover that copay with the flexible spending account card? So I think there are a variety of factors that go into what's available to you. More and more uh, insurers are including mental health services okay. in their in their covered items. I remember a few years ago when we had reason to have counseling that we were doing the first few months out of pocket and that was a hundred bucks a session, which is a good deal, all <laughs> things considered, well worth it. But then I found out we could apply insurance and that went down to 40 bucks a session. <laughs> and that was so much more doable. Um, so, <laughs> right. so that even if even if you're only able to take out part of it, get it to, you know, the cost of dinner and a movie totally worth it. Mm-hmm. That yeah. is that is one hang up I think that depending on insurance coverage. So like for me, my psychiatrist is covered by my insurance, so I don't have to pay a gigantic copay. I have to we have to pay out of pocket for our therapist. And that's $130 a session. Thankfully our flexible spending account will cover that, so we're not truly paying quote unquote out of pocket, but that is something to be aware of. I am not on the up and up about like, you know, subsidized mental health. I mean, obviously we have subsidized physical health resources out there. I don't know much about mental. I know that that is becoming more popular, like an urgent behavioral care kind of setup. But definitely I would encourage you to do your homework, see what's available out there to you. And in closing, 
It's probably not in closing. I say in closing. It's, it's not, definitely not, not in closing. We're going to talk for another 20 minutes. You know that. Yeah, it's not <laughs> happening. Um, I just want to be clear. You do not have to, you don't have to see a Christian counselor. Like if that's your preference, that's fine. There are plenty of people out there that are available to you. But I often see this stipulation in a lot of places where make sure you find a Christian counselor to help you. And I am, I'm moderately disappointed in the fact that people have to make that distinction. In our, in, in Matt and my situation, our counselor is not Lutheran. I don't think she's even a Christian. I think she's another monotheistic. I think she's Jewish. I'm just going to come out and say it. I think she's Jewish. Um, <laughs> but she's, she is still fantastic. She's good at what she does. And in fact, I have found that with her being sort of like, quote unquote, an outsider. So like we, we talk about church stuff a lot. We talk about Matt being in seminary and some of the developments that, that have to go on there. And I have to say that her complete and utter removal from the call process and how vicarage assignments work and et cetera has actually been helpful in getting us additional perspective. Yeah. So point being, if you want a Christian counselor, do it. Like if that's what you prefer, that's what you're comfortable with, do it. But don't rule out non-Christian counselors or people who don't sort of bill themselves as a yeah. Christian counselor because you're going to miss out potentially on some really excellent opportunities. Well, that's a really great point. Someone who bills themselves as right. a Christian counselor. Thank there you. are people for whom that's part of their marketing thing. Yes. And that's great. I've mentioned my brother is a counselor. He is a Christian. <laughs> He's a very devoted Christian. And yet nowhere on his marketing materials will you see that mentioned. Right. It infuses every aspect of who he is and what he does, but he's not using it as his marketing you sure. know, go-to line because he sees that professional role right. as being something different. Yeah. Um, so don't assume that just because you're not looking for a quote-unquote Christian counselor that you're not going to get a Christian who is a counselor. Also a counselor. <laughs> right. He's a boy who's also my friend, but he's not my boyfriend. <laughs> right. <laughs> One and, of those. And I think it's more important, we talked about this on the, on the Coffee Hour episode I mentioned, it's more important to find a counselor who works with your personality, mm. with your relationship personality, and is open to talking you through your issues from your worldview. So like Brie, in your instance, you have someone who works with you and doesn't push their own worldview. Right. Mm. That would be a problem if you're going we, to something. Yeah, is there are people out like, there... Oh, you're 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 thinking through this wrongly because you're right. like that would be a problem. Right. But finding someone who works with who works within your own scope of your beliefs and things, and maybe they won't be a Christian, and that's fine. And the other thing is that sometimes you do have to be careful with Christian counseling because they may they may come at values and things from a Christian point of view that is not our Lutheran theology, and that might put you in a different tailspin of like. Mm -hmm doesn't jive with my own Lutheran doctrine, right. but we're Christian and now I don't understand why these things don't make sense. So just being aware of the theology behind a counselor who, who builds themselves as a Christian, where they're actually coming from in that Christian counseling, because it may not actually be as Christ-centered right. as yeah. we would want it to be as Lutherans. 
more important, I think, is what, what you're saying, Brie, is to have somebody who respects the fact that you are a Christian. Yes. Who isn't going to try to change that or treat your faith as a pathology. Right. Um, and there are people out there who would treat it right. that way, and those should be avoided. And I but, think any therapist that's worth their salt, so to speak, they're not going to push solutions to you. They're not going to mm-hmm. get solutions in front of you. They're going to talk to you so that you come to your own conclusions. Mm-hmm. They're not going to conclude anything for you, but they're going to talk to you until you reach a conclusion about what a, a specific issue might be. I mean, we've we've talked to our therapist about things that I think would make any secular person's head spin. Because, you know, I, I obviously the LCMS is very conservative in their values and the things that they talk about. And our therapist never makes us feel like, oh, that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to worry about that necessarily. Right. Yeah. Well, I want to I want to go back before we close to two points. And one was where you said you think you think counseling is for everybody. And that seems like a really uh, radical revolutionary statement there until you think about all the ways in which you do other routine maintenance on your life. Mm-hmm. I don't just go to the doctor when I'm sick. I go for well visits. Mm -hmm. I don't just go to the mechanic when my car won't start. I go for oil changes. I don't just go to the dentist when my teeth are falling out. (laughs) I go for cleaning every few months. Or at least I'm going next week. It's good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So there is no reason that you can't think of your mental health in the same way Mm -hmm. that I'm going in for routine maintenance on my emotions. And so that I'll have a relationship already set up with a professional so that if I get sick, that I already just know who to call where to go. There's nothing wrong with that. And I appreciate the, the encouragement. I think that will be something that after we move, because we're moving soon, that I will put on my list of things to do. Find a new doctor, find a new dentist, find a new mechanic. Let's see about maybe finding a counselor that we can just establish a relationship with. Why not? Let's make it normal. It's good to have that third party. It's good to have that mediator sometimes, especially Mm -hmm. if you're doing couples counseling. I joke around because I cannot begin to tell you how many situations Matt and I have been in where – I'll have an issue and he'll be like, well, and he'll try to fix it. And he'll be like, well, have you tried X, Y, Z? And then we'll fight about it. Right. And he'll be like, well, have you tried X, Y, Z? And we'll fight again about it. And then the issue will crop up again and it'll come up in a session with our therapist. And my therapist will be like, oh, well, have you tried X, Y, Z? And I'm like, <laughs> You're brilliant. Why didn't I think of that? And then, like, Matt's over here, like, face palming, and he's like, hello, what's going on? And, and, and vice versa. I can't tell you how many times where I'm like, dude, I told you that a month ago. What the heck? <sighs> it's it's fun. Yeah. You have a mediator. And a uh-huh, it really mediator. is. You need that third party. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to go back and discuss, if we're if we're done with most of the rest of the content of this episode, yeah, we're. Okay. I think I'm at the bottom I, of the page. I want to talk more about self care because this is something that, you know, professional 
help is great. Let's face it. Not everyone who's hearing this is to the point where they're like going to put find counselor on your list of post-move activities. And in fact, honestly, I might chicken out of it. We'll see. Uh, I hope I don't. We're going to make sure you do it. (laughs) (laughs) But self-care is something you don't need to put yourself on on a limb to do, that you can identify ways to take care of yourself that are really helpful coping strategies. My mother, who's a very wise person, she has a list of things in her brain that she knows always make her feel better. And she, if she's feeling really down, shout out to you, mom. I love you very much. Um, If she's feeling really down, she will go through this list. 10 minutes, walk outside. 10 minutes, sit down and play piano and sing hymns. 10 minutes, clean up the house, just do something to make the space nicer. I think there are four or five things on this list, but she just goes down the list. And so I was curious about, and I make my kids make lists like this too. What are five things you can do when you're feeling down that are guaranteed to actually make you feel better? And I think everybody's list is a little different. So I'm going to put it out there to each of you. What are five things on your self-care checklist that when I'm feeling down, if I do this, I will perk up just that little bit? Hmm. Wow. Sorry, then, put you on the spot. No, it's okay. I, I hope that all our listeners out yeah, there are yeah. grabbing a pen and a paper and writing down oh, your five things on your self-care <laughs> checklist. You can let um, it marinate for a minute. Let it marinate. I might I might find more and I'm gonna like subdivide one of them to make it two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, and and it's not totally subdividing. So I already mentioned exercise and that can happen indoors too. Like if it's raining outside, going to exercise at the Y is also an acceptable option. So some sort of physical movement is probably my number one. Uh, My number two is like opening the door to outside and just breathing fresh air. That is massive. I don't know how many times I did that during pandemic year of literally just like standing on my front porch and just smelling outside air. Uh, decluttering is another one of mine too. Like literally 10 minutes of this is a mess and it's been bothering me for the last three months and it will literally take me five minutes to clean it and I haven't done it yet. So I'm going to do it right now. feels so much better. Yes. Singing hymns or some sort of music, listening to music, playing music, singing music. Definitely another one on my list. Talking to a friend. I'm going to put that as my (laughs) There may be another one. (laughs) Talking to a friend. Can I put six down? I just thought of another one. Drinking coffee. Drinking coffee. <laughs> well done. <laughs> or at least like opening the bag and smelling the coffee if it's like nine <laughs> o'clock at night. <laughs> but yes, those things for sure. And I just, I want to throw this out there while, while the rest of you are thinking. While we were dealing with working from home and the transitions of, of pandemic life and all of that, the unknown, I remember the point when I was like, I need something. I need a goal, like a daily goal of something I'm going to do that will help just like keep me in a better mental state because it was Mm. getting really hard. And that thing was showering every day. Like if I did that every day, I was just going to be in a better mood because I think at that point I had gone probably five days. I had showered, (laughs) but I wasn't, I wasn't putting on different clothes. I was like in my lounge clothes all day. And okay, this is the mom and me saying you. It wasn't (laughs) the same. You worked through it. That was, I I should have just stifled that mom inner monologue there. (laughs) But I, I wasn't, I was showering. Oh, like, wasn't the, it every, wasn't the same clothes, right? No, it was different clothes. Just oh, like, thank goodness. Just like t-shirts and lounge pants every day. Okay. And all right, all right. That's fine. Every day, it was like every other day or every three days or something. I was home by myself. Nobody cared. But it was making me feel 
bad. Like I did not feel good about myself. And I was like, this is a thing I can do every morning and I think it will help. And it did. It was, I had, I had to do that for my mental health and I knew that. So once I figured that one out, that was very useful. And I mean, now we're back in the building, so I have to like shower and change my clothes every day because <laughs> people will start to avoid me if I don't. <laughs> so mine, I don't know, without something to write on, I'm not sure I'm going to grab them all. We'll see how many I get to, but very similar. Go for a walk. Just like you were saying, doesn't matter how I start the walk. I always finish it in a better mood Mm -hmm. than when I started. Also sing a song. So it could be sometimes I'll sing a song while I'm on a walk. If it's a really <laughs> rough day. Multiply those coping mechanisms. Very good. Yep. You're learning. Exactly. Like like coupons. That's right. Layer them up. <laughs> um, so sing, sing a song. Similar again, talk with someone. So it could be could be call, but basically tell someone mm-hmm. about whatever it is that's that's troubling me. Because usually at some point I know what it is. And then then it's like it get in this mode sometimes of I don't know. I don't know if it's a shame thing or whatever, but like it's you don't want to tell someone about it. It's always better once again, usually once I say it, then it's it's not weighing on my spirit anymore. Mm-hmm. Also I often find that for me, it could go either way. Sometimes it's that I need to, usually if I'm really troubled about it, it's that I should actually go spend time with someone. And so go find a friend to be with and have that or go, you know, drive out, see my parents for a weekend or something like that. But have that close time with somebody Occasionally, if I'm really just worn out by overstimulation of too much time with people, then I need the opposite of I need some some downtime alone time. But this year, that has not <laughs> that's not been a problem this year. <laughs> um, and usually, in those cases, I know what it is I need. I'm like I I need to just be quiet alone for a while. So that that's usually pretty easy. And then sometimes it's also just like do something different. Part of why I'm, you know, I'm feeling so frustrated with this is that I've been at it for four hours straight and Mm. I've literally been sitting in the chair for four hours straight trying to figure out how to make this thing Mm. operate. And it's that I need to stop and step away and do something totally different with my mind for a little bit and or Mm -hmm. body and change, change the pace. But that one's, it's not a, it's not an easy 10 minutes of singing, playing a piano sort of thing. It's not, it's not as, it's not as clear an ingredient for a successful (laughs) recipe. (laughs) It's more intuitive. Yeah. 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 Well, on my list, since I think Bree's going last here, I'm going to second, third, whatever we've said, exercise is (laughs) so key. Only for me, I like running. I like Mm -hmm. all exercise. If I can get it, walking is great. Uh, yoga is fun, uh, lifting weights, good times, but nothing <laughs> blows off stress and uh, despair like a long run. So I do that if I can. Agreed on cleaning up the space totally. Uh, my kids ask me, why do you make your bed every day, mom? It's You're just going to get back in it at the end of the day. <laughs> I'm like, making my bed tells me that the chaos monsters don't win. It takes me 30 seconds to do. But today, today, chaos loses. Same goes for uh, washing my dishes and cleaning the wiping counters. 
Wiping counters, oh, incredibly hmm. therapeutic. Let's see. I need to go work in the garden if I can, if it's gardening season. If not, I might be sitting over a seed catalog with a uh, <laughs> legal pad planning next year's garden uh, because I find that getting dirt under my fingernails, sun, rain, wind, all of that, and feeling connected to the earth and to the green growing things is really, really a pick-me-up. Let's see. I like words, so if I'm really feeling down, I can usually uh, jumpstart my cheerfulness if I take a moment, a moment, half an hour, half an hour to read something or half an hour to write something. Yeah, it may be a haiku. A you know, it can be as simple as that. I wrote a very cranky limerick uh, a couple of weeks ago <laughs> that really nice. helped. It was addressed to various world dictators and the U.S. Secretary of Defense expressing some of the feelings I have about my husband's ongoing deployment. You know what? <laughs> a cranky okay. limerick made me feel better. <laughs> I'd be good money to read that thing, by the way. I'll send it to you privately. Yes! <laughs> the final thing that I have just within the last few months found is very helpful is I keep in a notebook what is what I call an anxious list. Mm. Because in the back of my head at any given time are big things on the back burner that are just creating this low-level hum of anxiety and or despair. For a long time, it was, we haven't found a new dentist yet, or mm. tax season is coming, or, you know, mm. I haven't filled out that paperwork from that thing. And it's, it's usually things that if I actually sat down to do it, it would be done in an hour or maybe even five minutes. But sure. yep, I just, I never think about it at the right time. And when I do think about it, it's never the right time. And so simply taking five minutes to write down everything that is making me anxious, that maybe I am not able to do anything about it right now. But if I get it on paper, it's manageable. It exists. And then later on, I can go back and update it and be like, dude, I totally filed our taxes three weeks ago. <gasps> I don't have to worry about that anymore. You know, there may be new items to go on the anxious list, but simply saying the name of the thing that is humming in the back of my brain and making me feel bad takes away some of its power. So that would be my, my number five thing is maintain an anxious list and update it occasionally. Because if you've crossed things off, it's really encouraging. And even if you don't, it's good to just see the scope of it. And that way, when you have, you I know, have half an hour sometime, <laughs> you can address something and know that it will make you feel better. Okay, that's mine. Brie. Some girls will be longer than others. Am I right? Yep. <laughs> okay so i'm pretty sure i endorse all of those ideas i probably do some of them myself but i'm gonna be different obviously because that's my brand um <laughs> actually no okay so sarah you said standing out in the sun that's a good one i like to eat a piece of fruit like i just like or mm. or or just some fresh pro a serving of fresh produce like mm -hmm. excellent does wonders like it just picks me up because mm -hmm. then i feel like this sense of like wow you just ate something healthy good job dude <laughs> um what else i like to watch videos on instagram of 
pottery, like like mm-hmm. pottery being thrown mm-hmm. and cake decoration. Yeah. That is specific and wonderful. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. And there's so much of that on Instagram. It's wonderful. <laughs> I love that one part of Instagram. <laughs> I also sometimes watch hilarious vine compilations. R.I.P. Vine. R.I.P. Hilarious. And then I, I don't know how many that was, but this is my last one is, so on Sundays, I teach high school Bible study. And that's like the one thing that I look forward to. If there's, if there's nothing else to look forward to in a week, like teaching Sunday school and just hanging out with those students and like cackling and trying to preserve my youth like that (laughs) that that energizes me that jazzes me up like teaching them about jesus is important too let's be honest yes can can i just say i i wish you had been my high school sunday school teacher because (laughs) we all my my life might have gone in a slightly different direction at a couple of very crucial points had I had Brigazowski <laughs> as my Sunday school teacher. I hope that's a good thing. Yes, it's a very good thing. Apologies in advance to all you parents out there. <laughs> and that's it. Thank you for the good ideas. Yeah. I've got some more things to add to my coping self-care list now. Mm-hmm. Well, this is Mental Health Month this May. And I do want to, I, I'm sorry, I've thrown in so many plugs into this episode. <laughs> I, do, right, I have one more plug for the coffee hour. Sorry. Um, we have Mental Health Mondays every Monday. We've been doing this for over a year, maybe two. I don't remember. Uh, we have Heidi Gaiman on, Deaconess Heidi Gaiman on mm. every Monday. And sometimes some special guests to talk about mental health. Um, we've talked about a whole slew of stuff. And we have this summer and... Uh, we're talking through some some different topics. We're giving Heidi a break this summer and talking through some different <laughs> stuff. But I, I think we're talking about emotions again, like sometime this fall. And I cannot wait because I love talking about emotions. But anyway, I love feelings. Mm. Feelings oh. are great. <laughs> but you can find those on our website. If you just go to kfuo.org and search Mental Health Monday, or I, I'm pretty sure it's kfuo.org slash Mental Health Monday. And you can find all of those mental health episodes if you want to just like power through all of them because Heidi is fantastic. A lot of what I know about mental health and I'm able to share with other people is from her, from actually doing these things on the radio. (laughs) I've learned so much from her. So ladies, we would love to know your list of five things. Uh, If you want to share that with us in the Ladies Lounge group on Facebook, you can join us in that group. I will also try to remember to pose that question on our Instagram page. So you can also uh, share with us your list of five things that help you feel better on our Instagram page as well. You can follow us there at Lutheran Ladies Lounge. You can find all of our Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcasts at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on your favorite podcasting app. You can also download the new KFUO radio, iOS, and Android apps. Super exciting stuff. You can find us there as well if you want to have one place for all of your KFUO radio stuff. You can just download that app and our podcasts are there too. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. I am not a doctor. (laughs) And I'm going for a run in like five minutes. So have a great day, everyone.
Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies' Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Join our community on Facebook in the Lutheran Ladies' Lounge.